0: I'm going to share with you a little bit out of uh, Luke chapter 2, which is obviously the familiar Christmas story that we reflect on most often when it comes to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. But I wanted to start by asking a very simple question. How many of you actually do uh, love the Christmas season? Can I get a show of hands like you? That's a lot, lot more than the other services. You guys should be proud of yourself. Um, Decorating, gatherings, food, fun. Um, How about like Christmas movies? There are some movies that you only watch uh, during the Christmas season, and some of them, you, you, if it weren't a holiday season, you would you would question yourself like this movie's not even good anymore, and yet you do it anyways, right? I mean, how many times do you need to see Home Alone? I mean, really, you you already know what's going to happen. Like you get kids, you're like, watch this, watch this, and then they're not even amused by it at all. It's amazing. So one. Uh, I love the Christmas season. One thing I don't like, though, I, don't, I just got to admit, don't throw anything at me, uh, but snow, I don't like snow. I, I love the Northwest for that, what? <laughs> and uh, I woke up yesterday morning like the rest of you, and I had heard this thing was going to happen called freezing rain. Now, I thought it was like some kind of beverage or something, so I was like, knock yourself out, but this freezing rain thing's going to happen, and we're like, whoa, whatever, because I've been here my whole life. I've never seen such a thing, and then we woke up, and I get out into my car, 7.30 a.m., and I'm like sliding down my driveway like I needed some ice skating shoes or something, and, and then there was like a quarter-inch thick of ice on my car. Have, have anybody ever seen anything like that? Like, I'm not from Chicago, you know what I'm saying? So it was like some demonic power was set against me, and I went into my car uh, and I looked for a ice scraper, but I'm from Seattle, so I don't have those things. But I went into my car and I, I, found, um, I found what... I listened to this message three years ago and I found an ice scraper and it was Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve, we love you, but um, that's all I had, people. It's all I had. Judge not, lest you be. But... It says three purposes of a church, and I did not know it was one of the purposes of the church was to scrape away what the enemy, you know, meant for evil, amen, so that we overcome, you know, by the scraping of the CD. But anyhow, it was awesome. And then um, we had, uh, I like gifts. How many of you like to receive gifts? Just own it. Just own it right now if you do. Okay, a couple of you, you're like, yeah. Uh, How many of you are more like Jesus where he said it's better to give than to receive? You like giving. See what I did there? That's awesome. Especially if you're a guest, you're like condemnation. Thank you. <laughs> I thought I was going to get that. Look at your neighbor. Um, I like gifts. We had a Christmas staff party uh, the other day, and somebody for the white elephant gift, they thought this was funny. And in <laughs> case you're not sure, you're not sure what that is. I didn't buy it. I, I didn't buy that. And but they brought that to the white elephant gift exchange, and uh, actually. Jared's son, Samuel, he was skipped in the play. He uh, has a picture, I think it's on some social media. I don't remember, but he has a picture of him uh, wearing those. So he's walking on Pastor Ben's face. Uh, So (laughs) I didn't know quite how to feel about that. But, uh, you know, um, in the midst of all this stuff that we do celebrate and, and the things we enjoy in the Christmas season, here's why I like Christmas. Not because I'm a pastor or anything like that. I mean, certainly that's a part of how I look forward to things, but I, I love focusing on Jesus. And when we come to this season, it's we gather around this miraculous birth of our Savior, and it's so powerful, and it should touch us to the core. And that's why, for the rest of our time, I want to talk to you just a little bit about good news brings great joy. And we see that here in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start By reading verse one. And it says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census uh, be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Cyrenius was the governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in claws and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn in the same region. there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them in the glory of the Lord. Shown around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying together, Glory to God in the highest. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Such a powerful uh, story. I was thinking about how good news, as the angel said, brings about great joy. And part of that was I was just sort of like in my own mind, since we can't dialogue during our time together, I was thinking about what is the best news that I've ever heard? I mean, you might want to reflect on that, but what is the best news that I've ever heard that brought about all kinds of joy, it stirred up emotion in my life? And the first thing, of course, was something that happened exactly 19 years ago from today. That was in December 24th of 2003. Uh, Bridget Ann Adams at the time, now she's Dixon, Bridget Ann Adams uh, said yes to a young man dropping to one knee. Yes, we still do that. Amen. Dropping to one knee, asking her if she would, uh, she would be my wife. And she said yes. You know, she said amen. She said, because if she said no, that wouldn't be good news, people. That wouldn't. It was good news. And I was so excited. You probably saw me that night, and I was beaming. I was all red. I mean, it was in front of her whole family. I can't even imagine what would have happened if she said no. It was in front of all of her family. None of my family was there. I had uh, great joy, great joy, and then I was thinking about about a year and a half later, uh, Bridget came to me, and she said that she was pregnant, which uh, she was pregnant then with our daughter, who would be Azariah, who was singing up here on the stage earlier. And uh, we had just gone through 13 weeks, a a three-month miscarriage. And it was really difficult for, for us, but mostly really a lot for my wife as well. It was really painful. And so we went from great grief to great joy in that moment. And we rejoiced together. That was good news. And then finally, I was thinking about my oldest son, Isaiah, who's our, one of our youth pastors. When Isaiah came to me and he said, Dad, I think it's time for me to, uh, to move out and to move on. And I experienced, uh, you know, great joy. Amen. I did. I thought this marvelous thing, you know, and... Uh, the Dixon men, we, we do hug, we give swift embraces. You know, they're swift, amen, and then we're, and then we're done, you know. Uh, but I held on to him. I, I, did, I said, this is of the Lord's son. It is uh, good news, uh, brings great joy. I'm just joking on that one, but uh, mostly. <laughs> have, you, have you noticed when we talk about good news, it's in contrast to bad news, or it's in contrast to things that are missing, or something that is seriously needed, because that's what makes it good. There's a backdrop of other than what we have now just heard and experienced, and I think it's really important that we recognize that. When we talk about joy as a result of news, we get stirred, and we have happiness, and we're cheerful, and it causes delight, and in verse 10 in our text, the angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people, and this joy that he's talking about, it's greater than, it's exceedingly, and when, so when he says, I bring you the good news that causes great joy, it's greater joy than you've ever experienced because it's better news than you've ever heard. That's what the angel is saying. He's not just saying, here's another thing that's good for you to hear and it's gonna cause a nice emotional response. He's saying, this is the good news and as a result of it, you're gonna have more joy in your hearts from this than anything that you've ever heard before. Why? Because the good news of Jesus being born is the greatest news on the earth. There's nothing greater in in all the world and so I just wanna reflect on two things that I wanna share with you tonight in Luke chapter 2, and the first is the Christmas is a proclamation of the good news. The first part of this is the good news was proclaimed to the shepherds of Bethlehem. They're about a mile or so outside of the city, maybe a mile and a half, and they're, they're vast fields, so the shepherds are tending to their flocks. And it's sort of astonishing to read that the first proclamation of the gospel was given to shepherds. Now, there are some. Um, Traditions that teach it is possible that these shepherds were not your normal shepherds. They could have been lay priests because they were preparing the lambs for the temple, which wasn't far away. That's a tradition. It's not as historical as you might think. I've looked into history. I can't find that. And so these basically were shepherds. And in case you've glorified shepherd, biblically speaking, because when we think about shepherds from the Bible's perspective, we tend to think, well, you know, Moses was a shepherd. I mean, Abraham was really even a shepherd if you think about it. Um, Jacob was a shepherd. We know that um, David was a shepherd. And Jesus even said in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd of shepherds. And so we tend to think in a redemptive sense, like shepherd's not a bad gig, that's a decent job. But in the first century, nobody wanted to be a shepherd and the rabbis would steer their sons away from being a shepherd. It was one of the lowest occupations that you could have. And so it's kind of staggering to imagine that an angel of the Lord shows up to the shepherds of Bethlehem who are tending to their flock, and they receive the first proclamation of the gospel. And I think there's something powerful about that that we don't want to just skip over. It tells me that the gospel is not just for the sophisticated, but it's for the simple. And by the way, that's every single person in this room. All it requires of us is to be a person that yields to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I appreciate that. You don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be someone that listens and is willing to surrender yourself. I like that. The second part of this good news is the good news was proclaimed by an angel of the Lord. I know we kind of um, sanitize this. But this was no angel like a Gerber baby with a diaper and, uh, and an arrow, you know. This was not Cupid, ladies and gentlemen. This was an angel that stands in the presence of God, probably Gabriel. Gabriel shows up, who stands in God's presence, and it says the glory of God shone around him. And it says they were so terribly frightened that the first thing out of the angel's mouth was, "'Don't be afraid.'" I mean, wouldn't that be amazing to have an experience like that? An angel of God shows up to proclaim the gospel. It actually says in the last days that angels will proclaim the gospel again. It says that in in Matthew chapter 24. And so here we have the shepherds, and they move from this place of being afraid because they saw an angel to having great joy because of what the angel said. And I just love this. I mean, I think it's powerful to consider that The first proclamation came from the mouth of a heavenly being, as we know as God's messengers. And so we could say today, well, Ben, I would, if you're here and maybe there's a chance you don't believe the gospel, if that's where you are, that's where you are. I know a lot of us do, but if you're here and you're like, well, if an angel showed up to me, I'd believe the gospel. I mean, I just would, but I I have to believe you and you're preaching from a book. And so it's not the same. But the important part of this is that the message is more, impo- is more powerful than the messenger. And that's the third part of this. The good news was that a Savior had been born who was Christ the Lord. It says that in verse 11. The angel ascribes three titles to this child, to this baby, Savior Christ Lord. The first was Savior. But what is God saving us from? That's a great question. Jesus' name means the deliverer. It means one who saves. It's in his name but what is he saving us from? They believed that God was going to send the Messiah to save them from Roman occupation. So they thought, man, we're in this external situation. We don't wanna be here. And so we're awaiting for God's deliverance to take us out of this external pressure and oppression that we're experiencing. But Jesus did not come just to take us out of hard things. Jesus came to save us from ourselves. Jesus came to save us from our sin, It's sin that separated us from God from the beginning and it's sin that needs to be satisfied and that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why Jesus rose from the dead and that's why Jesus says, believe in me because if you're in me, you have a relationship with God the Father. The reason people all over the world celebrate the birth of Jesus is because if he didn't come into this world, he wouldn't have lived a sinless life. He wouldn't have died on the cross in our place. He wouldn't have rose from the dead and he wouldn't promise us that he's coming back. And so the entire story matters to us. We have a savior that wants to cleanse us and forgive us from our sins. He's not here just to take us out of hard stuff. He's here to give us a brand new life that never ends. He's here to save us. The second title is Christ I know we might think at times this is his last name, Jesus Christ, Ben Dixon. That's not his last name. Christ literally means anointed one. And it's in reference to the promise that we find written in Isaiah 714. This is a prophecy written many, maybe 800 years earlier. Here's what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. This means that God fulfills his word. When God says he's going to do something, he does it. He said it through a prophet, and it came to pass through sending his son as a child. That's why we celebrate. That's why it's exciting. He's the anointed one. Christ, he's the Messiah. And the third title is most staggering. Savior Christ, Lord. This title in the first century would have shocked the Jewish mind, and it should us as well. See, the Bible In the Old Testament, it's written in Hebrew. In the New Testament, it's written in Greek. And we're reading it in English today. And so the Greek word is kurios. And that means Lord, master, owner. And that word was used in a myriad of ways. But the reality is, is that the promise of the Messiah, the promise using this word Lord comes from the Hebrew and it comes from the Hebrew mindset. So when they said Lord, Savior, Christ, Lord, The people that are translating the Bible, the the original writers of the scripture, they're trying to find a word that conveys in Greek what they understood in Hebrew. And the people reading this originally would have understood what was being said. And we can't miss it. The Old Testament word for Lord, most of the time when it's in capitals, is the name of God, which is Yahweh. And friends, that's what we're talking about today. Jesus was not just a man that was anointed of the Holy Spirit for an assignment. Jesus was God's only son. There's no other. Why is it this holy, miraculous thing that we celebrate? Because Jesus was God. We call this theologically the incarnation where God became flesh and dwelt among us. It's holy. It's awe-inspiring. I mean, as a pastor, I just don't have it in me to try to inspire people enough. I just want to stick to the message because if we really believe that, that's enough to inspire us to drop our jaw and go, thanks be to God for what he's done in Jesus. This is not mere tradition tonight. We gather around the holiest of moments. God came into our world. He put on flesh. He is God's son, and He was the Son of man. The second part of this that I think is profound as we look at the shepherds is the good news of Christmas brings about a response. And we see that in what they did after they received the good news. The first thing they did is they responded by going to where Jesus was born. In verse 15 to 16, they basically just say, hey, let's go see this sight that was just told to us. I I just think that's a great idea, shepherds. That's a great idea. And so one translation says they ran all the way into the city. Now that's about a mile and a half. I think it's kind of a funny picture. They begin to run. This morning, I ran for a mile and I don't, I mean, that wasn't pretty. Amen. I can't imagine what it was like. They leave their flocks. I mean, they're responsible for these sheep. They leave them. And the good news was so great. It caused so much joy. It was uncontainable. They had to run. They had to run to go see this marvelous sight. And they sought Jesus out until they found Mary and Joseph and the child. This joy caused them to seek Jesus. That's what they did. This joy caused them to seek Jesus. And And again, I I think Christmas is a season where if you don't know Jesus, it is a time where you get to seek Jesus because everywhere around you speaks of him. (laughs) It's like the songs. You can even be in the store and you hear songs. And most people don't realize that these songs have deep, meaningful history. They come from dark times, but they talk about the brightest of lights. That's why it's so meaningful to us those of us that know Jesus, but this is a season to seek him. When you hear the gospel, you get to decide what you wanna do, and so most of us know him, most of us love him, and for us, if we, don't, if we do know Jesus, it's an opportunity to have a fresh focus and seek him with all of our heart. You know, in one year, a lot of things can compile and we lose our vision, we lose our love, we lose our heart for the Lord and our passion to seek him, and I would just tell you this Christmas, let's use this as an opportunity to ask him for a fresh perspective, a fresh focus and a fresh passion for him. Amen. This is what God would have us to do. But if we don't know him, friends, I want to encourage you, even if you're here with a family member or a friend, the greatest thing that you could do is give your life to Jesus Christ. I know because I did it 24 years ago when when I was 19 and I've shared my story many times, but I just want to remind you that no matter what you're going through, God is pursuing you. God is seeking you out, and he's desiring for you to respond to him. And so the good news comes to you tonight that Jesus Christ, the God-man, came put on flesh in the form of a child. He lived in this world for 33 years. He gave his life on a cross. He did that to take our place. That's why Jesus would say, though you die, yet shall you live if you believe in him. So if we're in Christ, a relationship with him has been made between us and the Father because no matter how good we are, no matter how much we try, it's never good enough. And so that's why Christ had to die on our behalf. This is the good news, but we get to choose how we respond to it tonight. The second response is they responded by sharing what they had seen and heard. I mean, of course they did. Can you imagine an angel preaches to you, you go into the city to find the child and then you find the child just as it was told to you and now you can't help yourself. You've got to tell everybody in the whole room, this is what the angel said to me. I mean, I don't know what that'd be like though. You know, like you're trying to explain to everybody, an angel showed up to me, that'd just be hard to do. An angel showed up and I mean, these guys, man, uh, there'd be a little reluctance for a lot of us, I think, but they just couldn't help it. Why? Because the gospel was uncontainable. Man, I just love that. Maybe it is in this Christmas season we can recognize that we've lost our desire and our passion to share the good news with other people. I was with my son recently at a rest, local restaurant, and uh, a guy was asking me questions, and I knew it was, just, it was just a knock, knock, knock on the door of my heart and testimony where God was giving me an opportunity, and I didn't have to make it happen to share the good news of Jesus with this guy. And, um, and so I got to share with him about the love of God, and he's just He's just making me a sandwich, you know, and he didn't, he didn't think that somebody was gonna come to him and share with him that night. He didn't even let me pay for it, amen? He didn't even let me pay for this, and that was not the point, you know, and I had to tell my son that in the car. The point was I didn't want anything free. I wanted to give him something because too often people have this um, narrative that those that represent Jesus want something from you rather than to give something to you, and I despise that. I, I hate that. When I was a kid, I hated that. I always felt like there was an agenda, You know, maybe like there might be a few of you here that think I have an agenda. And I do. It's for you to give your life to Jesus. But, you know, it's because I came from somewhere. Amen. That's right. It's because I came from somewhere. And and, and, and he's real to me, as he is for so many of us in in the room. And I I just love how they just couldn't help themselves. The, The gospel is uncontainable. Let me ask you, if you're a Christian, let me ask you this. When's the last time you shared your testimony or you shared the gospel of Jesus with another person? Don't answer it loudly. Just, I just want to know. Just in your heart, think about that. When's the last time you did that? I wonder if you and I need a new baptism of joy. <laughs> I wonder if we need that because the joy that touched them, good news brought great joy, and that joy was uncontainable. They had to share about it with other people. That's amazing. When, when you get good news, I mean, if you were somebody and that you were single and just like me 19 years ago, I'm getting married. I told everybody. I mean, there wasn't social media back then, but if there was, I would have been posting like you wouldn't believe it. It was shareable. I mean, maybe we're in a world where everything seems to be so shareable, right? We just, our content online, it's shareable. We share everything. We share stuff and then we go, I probably shouldn't have shared that. But there's something we should share and we'd never regret, and that's the gospel of Jesus, even in the simplest of forms, because it's real, because it's real. And this is what we see in their life. And the last thing is they responded by glorifying and praising God for what he had done. That's what it says in verse 20. The last verse here, they walked away, back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God for all that he had done. It was uncontainable. They had to sing about it. They had to say something. Sometimes people ask me the question, Pastor Ben, why do people sing at church when I'm talking to folks that are outside the church or when I'm talking to people that are new to following Jesus. I'm like, because there's something that has happened inside you and it's uncontainable. I don't sing because I'm good at singing, because I know I'm not. Yeah. you got to come back to next service. It's a little dry. I don't mind the amen corner. I'm old school. It's fine with me. But I don't sing because I just, I'm just that person. Some of you are like that. You sing in the shower. You sing in the car. You sing everywhere. People got to tell you to tone it down and turn it off. You know? And you're like, why? It's so great. And they're like, it's not so great. That's why. <laughs> no, God loves it when we sing. He loves it when we sing from the heart because we're praising him. We're worshiping him. And that's what they were doing. They're glorifying God. I wonder what it sounded like. I wonder what it was like, you know. Um, This uh, last couple weeks, I decided, because I knew we were going to sing a bunch of Christmas songs, um, so I I like to look up where these songs come from. Personally, I just enjoy that. And so the two that I looked up this this last couple weeks, the first was Joy to the World. We sang that today. You might not remember that, but I'm reminding you right now, so you can shake your head. Uh, We just sang that, and Joy to the World was a song that was not written about the birth of Jesus. In fact, it's written right out of Psalm 98. It's about the second coming of Christ. It was about joy to the world. The Lord has come. It's, it's about his coming. It's the anticipation of his arrival that is yet to come. But what we do is we appropriate that in Christmas because it's also fitting for that as well. So it's not wrong, but, but we recognize as we sing it, we're living in the middle of Jesus' first coming and that he's coming back again. And it's a wonderful thing to celebrate. So we say joy to the world, and you should say it with a smile on your face. This is, there's joy, implicit joy, in that Jesus has come and is coming again. That's the promise of, of the scriptures. That's a promise from our Savior. So I loved reading about where it came from, and I didn't realize it wasn't about, uh, it wasn't about the first coming. But the second one I read about was Silent Night. And I, it's a very traditional song for a lot of us, um, and we may not know where it comes from. And so this song was written in 1816 by a young priest whose name was James Moore. And he, uh, he, sa- he wrote this really as poetry, he didn't write it as a song. He never meant to, to make it into what it is today. Now, today, it's in 300 languages, and it's one of the most popular Christmas songs all across the world. Can you imagine in 1816, you write some poetry? you even imagine that it would go across the world in 300 languages and just be one of the most popular songs? People would be singing it in movies and in homes and Christmas services. 204 years ago, this song was sung, in a small congregation on a night just like this. It was a Christmas Eve service, the first time it was ever sung. And the people that sang it were poor and marginalized and traumatized because he wrote it after the Napoleon Wars, you know, which was after the French Revolution and all that, devastated Austria. And that's where he was from. He was, he was Austrian. And so during that time, all they could imagine was famine and war and pain and poverty and difficulty. Everybody say darkness. That's what what he felt. He felt darkness. And so at the end of those wars, he just wanted to point everybody back to Jesus. That's what he wanted. That even in the darkest of times, in the greatest evil that that they had ever known and it seems like it's never going to end darkness is never going to end it just constantly consumes us evil and wickedness and disappointment and pain and turmoil he wrote about the birth of Christ and it became a song that they sang over 200 years ago in a Christmas Eve service and yet yeah, caught on because the brightest of lights is always greater revealed in the darkest of times And so for us, it means if we have darkness in our life, if we have pain and difficulty and turmoil and chaos, and it just hasn't ended, we go through things too. Maybe we don't compare to that. Maybe we haven't gone through stuff like that. But we can understand that as we sing about Jesus, what we're doing is we're pointing to something transcendent. We're saying that no matter what we go through, no matter what pain feels like for me, no matter what my darkness is like, No matter what is consuming my heart, my mind, my attitude right now, and it seems like I can't get over it, no matter what that is, if I point to Christ, there's something that's greater found in the good news of Jesus and that he came to not just take us out of difficult circumstances, but to change us from the inside out and to tell us that there's more for us than what we see and feel in this life. There's more. Can I tell you tonight there's more? There's a longing in every heart. Even people that disagree with me, even people that say, man, this is a sham. There's a longing in their heart that's gonna keep itching at you until you yield to it. You were made for eternity. I was made for eternity. Christmas reminds us that God permanently sealed our ability to be with him forever. I love it. I love that, amen? Jesus is the fullness of everything. So for the last four weeks, we've been celebrating Advent, and we declare by lighting candles that Jesus is the fullness of all that we need. And he brings things like hope into our world. And he brings peace to our hearts. And joy and love. And tonight I'm gonna light the Christ candle here in just a minute. And if you would just stand sweet close, I want you to look at this passage here. As I light the Christ candle, this is why Jesus said, "I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness." Do you believe that tonight? He is the light of the world. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.